0: Hello again This morning I was speaking with Gordon Thompson and Gordon asked me to convey his blessings to you and hopes that you're having real times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord I was excited to hear what was happening with round the meeting you had yesterday men around the cross and if there is one thing that's missing from the churches nowadays it's the preaching of the God, the gospel the preaching of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit um, I go about f- many many churches and, and I see the effects of the lack of the move of the spirit of God in churches there is a death in the midst of them and I was listening to the announcements tonight as well and one of the things that I was pleased to hear about was so many times you're talking about prayer your prayer walk the times you have in prayer in here I want to say to you, get before the Lord that is where the secret of spiritual success is, this is where we're going to see revival happening in our own hearts before it goes out into the community if you want to see a mighty move of God then we need to come together to pray I want to encourage you to do that and I'm so glad that I'm hearing so many things about some churches now that are beginning to pray I heard that this morning when I was over at Wysho the number of times that are coming together to pray the speaker that was here this morning was saying to them he says you've got to pray if we don't pray we're, we're, we're actually losing the effect of the best tool that God has given us in our toolbox against the evil one Satan wants to block us out. He wants to shut us down. He wants to close our mouths. But I tell you, in the Acts of the Apostles, they were filled with all the boldness to go and witness a good confession of Jesus Christ. And so I want to say to you tonight, I hadn't intended saying this, but if you really want to experience a move of God in the midst of you and in, in the community, come together to pray. Graham was talking tonight about breaking through in worship it's absolutely important it's, it's the one thing that God requires of us is to worship him with all of our hearts that's what we're made for the Bible tells us that we're made to worship him and if we don't worship him then we're missing out on so much that God has for us I was, I was enjoying this time of praise tonight weren't you it was lovely. I could sense the spirit of God in the midst of us. And I felt as if we were basking in his love, that almighty agape love of God. It's such wonderful love, isn't it? Look, I want us to come to God's word tonight. And um, I want to uh, particularly look at Psalms, Psalm, Psalm 3. Um, but before we get into Psalm 3, I want to look at the background to Psalm 3. So if you would turn with me to Second Samuel uh, chapter 15, and I'm just going to read some excerpts from this chapter, just to give you a little bit of the background. Uh, Second uh, Samuel 15, and we'll, we'll read from verse 1. Now it came to pass after this, that Absalom provided for himself a chariot and horses, and fifty men as runners before him. Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. And it happened that when any man had a suit to come to him, to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And he would say, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, They see your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that one would appoint me judge in the land. There's jealousy. He was jealous of King David. He wanted to take King David's throne. Then every man who has a suit or or cause could come to me and I would give him justice. It happened that when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would pull out his hand and take hold of it and kiss him. Their idolatry. And in this manner, Absalom dealt with all the kings of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. Now, it came about at the end of 40 years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and. Pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron, let your servant, uh, for your servant vowed a vow while I was in Geshur and in Aram, saying, if the Lord shall indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. But he had no intentions of doing that. He wanted David out of the way. So it was really lies then king said to him go in peace so he arose and went to Hebron and, and, but Absalom sent spies throughout all of the tribes of Israel saying as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet then you shall say Absalom is king in Hebron there's pride then 200 went with Absalom from Jerusalem who were invited and went innocently and they did not know anything and Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, Gilo, while he was offering sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, and the people increased continually with Absalom. Then a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And David said, to all his servants who were there with him in Jerusalem. Arise and let us free, flee. Uh, for otherwise none of us shall escape from Absalom. Go in haste or he will overtake us quickly. And bring down calamity in us. And strike, us, uh, strike the city with the edge of the sword. And then the king's servant said to the king. Behold your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord chooses. It's interesting that in the midst of all this treachery there are those who remain faithful to the king let's turn the page and we'll go to verse 30 and David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went and his head was covered and he walked barefoot then all the people who were with him each covered their head and went up weeping as they went now someone told David saying Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom David said, O Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ahithophel, Ahithophel uh, foolishness. And it happened as David was coming to the summit where God had worshipped. God was worshipped. That behold, Hushai the Aconite, met him with his coat torn and dust on his head. David said to him, if you pass over with me, then you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, and I have been your father's servant in time past, and I will now be your servant, then you can thwart the counsel of Ahithophel for me. Now we're going to turn to Psalm 8, Psalm 3, rather. <clears throat> this is a very short Psalm, but it's. It's really, it's really a very, very important one, and I want to unpack this tonight. Oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Here's David in the midst of all his struggle with Absalom, and uh, uh, he's absolutely, he's downhearted, he's downtrodden, he's, he's struggling with his life, wondering what to do. Oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased, many are rising up against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him and God, Selah. But you, O Lord, a shield about me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice. He answered to me from his holy mountain, Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of his people who have set themselves against me and round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing upon your people. And all God's people said. Amen. Let's turn to um, this, this particular uh, psalm. You've gathered the background um, in, in 2 Samuel. The full account is found, of course, between chapters 15 and 18 of, of 2 Samuel and provides us with a backdrop of David's problem. But briefly, Absalom is conspiring against his father and uses various methods to suggest the people for, from their allegiance to King David. He wanted their allegiance. And under the pretense of paying a vow to Hebron, he obtains leave from David and by agents sends through the land Sent through the land, he prepares the people for revolt. He wins over Ahithophel, David's counselor, and uses him as a means of defeating guards and friends, who leave the city, and go towards the wilderness. But when we come to Psalm 3, the focus of our attention here, we hear the heart cry of David. He's in utter despair. I want to ask you a question. Has there been times in your life when you've been in utter despair? Let's see what we can learn from what David did in order to deal with the kind of despair that he was experiencing. Three things I want to look at tonight. David's problem, David's prayer, and David's peace. It's interesting that he moves into prayer and worship to overcome the problem sometimes when the problems are big we we take our eyes off the Lord don't we and we forget he's there and it's almost as if the problem is much bigger than God is we become so absorbed by it we become drowned by it but God doesn't change and that's the great thing I want you to realise tonight that God doesn't change here is the first crescendo in Psalm 3 a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son oh how my enemies have increased many they are who rise up against me many they are who say to me there is no help for him in God do you sometimes feel like that as if when life's battles are just mounting up against you there is no help for you in God what about us have you experienced that? I have. And I'm sure that sometimes in, in most Christians' lives, they will experience a terrible battle. And it's a spiritual battle. Because if we're living for Jesus Christ, then the devil will always seek to come against us. But I want you to remember that, this, that he can only come against you in as much as God will allow him to come against you. He doesn't have free reign over us. Does he? not in the slightest Satan doesn't have free reign over us and I want you to remember that there's periods and troubles that seem to gather together and gang up against us sometimes we feel as if the whole of hell is against us it happened at this time in David's life some of his life issues of course were self-inflicted when you come to Psalm 51 David confesses his sin to the Lord regarding the murder of Uriah And the adulterous relationship he had with Uriah's wife. He had troubles through his marriages and terrible affairs resulted in the tragedy. The tragic death of a baby. Then his children are falling out with one another and repelling it. It became like civil war in the family. And now David is on the run for his life. Have you ever experienced civil war in the family? problems that arise in families difficulties somebody takes a a fixed view the grace of God is not at work in their lives I can testify to that but I'm glad that God has had the victory in these circumstances times like this occur when troubles beckon to one another and come crashing into our lives one hot on the heels of another and another and another and here's David oh Lord how my adversaries have increased I'm sure you feel like him or you have felt like him in the past many are rising up against me many are saying of my soul there is no deliverance for him in God I want to tell you there is always deliverance for us in God and if we don't believe that then we don't believe that God is who he claims to be He's superior to all other gods. There is no one like him. He self-exists. There is no one above him or below him or outside of him. He is absolutely independent of anyone else. You and I are the dependent ones. We depend on him. God never grows old. He never grows weary. He doesn't age like you and I. He is. Always is and ever shall be. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, amongst the gods? David appears here at least to be as far down in the depths of depression as he could be. And this reminds us somewhat of the experience of our Lord Jesus, especially as he approached Calvary. He said at one point, now is my soul troubled. In the garden of Gethsemane he sweat as it were. Great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The stress in him was so great that the blood appeared to ooze throughout the pores of his skin. Yet he prayed, Father let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless not my will but yours be done. I wonder when you're in difficult circumstances if you prayed that prayer. I just think anybody went through what the Lord Jesus went through when he suffered in order that all of our sins might be forgiven that we might be redeemed not with such corruptible things as silver and gold as Peter says but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when you're in dire straits excuse the pun dire straits let me just say this to you try praying this prayer Lord not my will but let yours be done. And when we submit ourselves to him, you will discover the counsel of God becomes wisdom and knowledge in your heart and life. And he will bring the word of God by the spirit of God to life in your body and in your mind. Paul says it's a letter that kills. If all this book is to us, it's a book that we read from day to day and it never comes to life within us to change us then we will never experience the transforming power of God But he says the letters kills but he says it's the spirit that gives us life hallelujah what a wonderful God uh, we have so there are lessons for you and me here that can be found particularly in the next two verses and I want to look now at David's prayer but you Lord are a shield about me my glory the one who lifts my head we were singing that tonight weren't we wonderful The one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. Wow. Here's the second great crescendo in this psalm. This time, his focus, David's focus has changed from worry to worship. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? What a difference our lives take and our approach to problems take when we get the worry into the background and we get God into the foreground and we begin to worship him isn't that right if, if I'm troubled about something I sometimes go and, and just sit down at the keyboard and play it as much as I can play but I begin to worship the Lord when I used to finish after a busy day's work I used to go home and just sit down at the keyboard and say oh Lord I love you I lift my voice and I worship you And I tell you, I want you to to try and practice this. That when the troubles are burning, just start singing to the Lord. Start worshipping Him. Let your heart overflow. And it's very difficult at times, depending on the nature of the difficulties. But try and let your, your heart overflow with the joy of the Lord. When I think of all that the, the New Testament church went through, the difficulties that the Apostle Paul went through, he says, I'm going through these, but he says, it's not me. He says, it's the grace of God that's within me. And the grace of God was empowering to do everything. We were talking about God's grace last week. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And if we can begin to understand that, that God is not just this, somewhere stuck up in outer space, untangible, unreachable, unconsolable. I want to say this to you, that that's not true. That God is very much a personal God. And he's come to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And he's alive in my heart and I hope in yours also. So here's David's prayer. What do we do when we find ourselves in desperate circumstances? Do we try to blame God? Does the clay say to the potter, Why have you made me this way? Do we look to blame other people? Maybe we resort to calling upon false gods or idols in the hope that somehow they will be able to help us. But they don't and can't and never will. Some try to find the answer in a bottle or a needle. And they never resolve their problems by doing that. Despite the whole of hell being let loose against David, look at what he does. He begins to worship. Wow. How amazing. What a difference it makes when in the middle of life struggles, instead of moping and complaining over the struggles, which God permits so to be in our lives. We can lift our hearts to heaven and begin to worship and praise and thank the Lord despite the troubles that we experience. There's a hymn, which I love. you probably know it. He giveth more grace. Do you know it? When the burdens grow greater, he added more strength. When the labours increase, to added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. His love hath no limit his grace has no measure his power has no boundary known unto man but out of the infinite riches in our Lord Jesus Christ he giveth and giveth and giveth again during those times of difficulty God protects us David mentions three things in his worship he says "O O Lord you are a sealed shield about me you are my glory you O Lord are the one who lifts my head I want you to know this that we are always encompassed by God this is what David has realised Lord you're a shield round about me he's a protector do you think that we're his children and he's just going to allow anything to happen to us not in your life you think about Job and the difficulties that Job went through and God permitted Satan to buffet him And at the end of all his trials, what did he say? I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand again on the earth in the latter day. So we're always encompassed about by God. If only we could keep in mind the believer is precious to God and that the battle belongs to him. There are many examples in the Bible of faith. Things that happened where God delivered his own people. David, for example, much is written about him. As a younger man and later as king of Israel in general, his life exemplified living faith in God. Yes, he sinned. And there's a lesson for us. Even though we're under the grace of God, it doesn't automatically say that we will never sin. But the good news for you is this. You don't need to be burdened by your sin. 1 John 1 and 9 says this if we sin we have an advocate with the Father Christ Jesus the righteous one and if we confess our sin to him he is faithful and just to come on shout it out forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness what a wonderful saviour we have Um, as a youth facing uh, the giant Goliath David had faith that God would help him stating the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines 1 Samuel 17 God called David a man after his own heart who will do all of my will I want to ask you if we were to stand before God would God say that about you and me men, women after his own heart that would do his will, there's a challenge for us. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be people, that not just that he loves, but that we are willing to go and serve him and do his will in every way. Like David, each of us must face our Goliaths, our lions and bears, the challenges and the trials that overwhelm us. And just as God protected and delivered David, so can we enjoy God's protection. God certainly has the power to intervene for us if we trust in him and do as he says for we believe in a God who does not change and all his promises are yea and amen in Jesus Christ what a wonderful saviour Well, uh, therefore we can have confidence through faith in, in his power to help us David's attitude was the battle is the Lord's he will deliver me I want you to think of the story in Daniel where the three men were cast into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't uh, bow down to the king, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These three young men put their lives on the line when they chose not to bow before King Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. Doing so would have been a violation of the first and second commandments. Refusing to bow to the image also meant that they would be thrown alive into the fiery furnace. Notice their inspiring response. To their last opportunity to bow to the image and save their lives. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning Firing Furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you. Let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Wow. Rather than violate their commitment to obey God, they put their lives in His hands. Daniel 3 and 24 Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into that fiery furnace? He answered to the king and said this is true, king look he answered there's a fourth man walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God wow I want you to know when you're passing through the fire he's in it with you isn't that wonderful He's in it with you. When, you. when you've got all of the difficulties coming upon you, the Lord is there in that fire with you, carrying you through. He didn't take him out of it. They did come out of it, because they were alive. The fire couldn't touch them, not even a hair of their head was singed. God delivered them. He was in the fire with them. Isaiah 43 and 2 says this, when you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God brings triumph out of seeming tragedy and allows good to triumph over evil because God is at rule in our lives. By his sovereign power and authority, he does what pleases him. Psalm 115 verse 3. Why then does God permit us to pass through these difficult stages in our lives? First of all, because he is God. And I said earlier, the clay doesn't say to the potter, why have you made me this way? Why are you allowing me to go through this? Why are you allowing me to travel this path? Why am I having to suffer this pain? I think I said it on one of the previous occasions. Why did I have a heart attack? Why did I have pneumonia? You know, why have I got psoriasis? I don't know. But God is in charge. And he holds me in the hollow of his hand. And he holds you in the hollow of his hand also. Read Isaiah 43 in your own time and understand. Try to understand who God really is. It will change your perspective of a lot of things that happen in life. When God steps into our lives. When we yield ourselves completely to him. He will work all things after the counsel of his own will. I want you to know that also. That you're just not just a wee individual here in the middle of a big wide world. You're a servant of God. God has called you by his grace. And he will work all things in your life according to the counsel of his own will. What a God we have. You see, he doesn't just save us and then depart from us. He gives us his spirit to live within us. So that we might understand that God still wants to work in us. Your body, says the Apostle Paul, is a temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. That's really important. Think about that. Your body is a temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. You and I are blessed beyond measure. All of the blessings that flow from Calvary are yours and mine tonight because of what God has done in the person of his son hallelujah what a saviour so David begins to worship you o Lord are the shield about me you o Lord are my glory you o Lord are the one who lifts my head I want to ask you do you know the Lord is your shield do you know the protecting power of the Lord are you conscious by the power of the Holy Spirit that work within you that God is protecting you and preserving you and making sure that you're safe that's the kind of God that we have is the Lord your glory when you go about your day to day business is the Lord in the forefront of your mind Lord where do you want me to go today what do you want me to do what will I say to this person will you guide me by your Holy Spirit is the Lord your glory when you come into the presence of the Lord have you got a real desire in your heart to worship him do you feel inhibited in some way? I want to tell you, get rid of this inhibition. If you're inhibited tonight, get rid of the inhibition and allow yourself to worship God as He really deserves to be worshiped. What a God we have. Have you experienced the Lord lifting your head when you're down? I have. I have. When I turned away, and thought the whole of the world was against me when I lost three friends and God stepped into my life in a way that I would never have known and a lady came and she laid hands on me and she said I want to minister to you and I looked at her I got scared I get scared when mum come to lay hands on me <laughs> but she came to lay hands on me and she said God has spoken to me about you and she said I want to tell you this that God wants you to deliver you from the bondage that you're in and that day I broke down in her house she said you've lost people that are close to you she didn't even know anything about me she said God has spoken to me and he has sent me to minister to you and I want to do this and she ministered to me and I became broken and I had to confess my sin before the Lord and was gloriously restored that woman was a ministering angel and I tell you some people get kind of funny when we start to talk about the angels of the Lord the Hebrew epistle tells you that they're sent forth as ministering spirits to minister to those who are heirs of salvation isn't that wonderful it might be an angel it might be someone in the form of an angel. doesn't matter. When somebody comes to you from God, you will know about it. And in verse 4, he says, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. This was no feeble prayer. It was an expression of the anguish of, and pain that David felt in his heart. It's interesting to note that David was crying in his prayer. Let me ask you, how often do you weep before the Lord? In the Old Testament, the priests wept between the porch and the altar. How often do we come to God and our hearts are so burdened that we weep before him? We are broken before the Lord. I believe that with all my heart, if there was more weeping, we would appeal to God's heart and more victories would be won. Consider this. The Bible says that there is 1.5 million people who came out of Egypt. The nation of Israel. Liberated. God delivered them from slavery and led them on a journey to the promised land. A place described flowing with milk and honey. If it was me, I would be in a rush to get there. It took them 40 years to do an 11 day journey. Wow. And that's what happens when we're rebelling against God. When we're not stepping in line with god when we're not walking in his footsteps when as i said before we're not walking in the shadow of the cross we get out of line it takes longer for god to do in our lives what he wants to do because of the rebellion that's in here oh let go of it there's a wee song that says let go and let god have his wonderful way the trip should have taken 11 days In your life, God wants to do it within a period of time. But because of the way we are, we're so difficult and hard at times that it takes years for it to happen. Are you in rebellion? Are you preventing God from moving his church forward? Then the word of the Lord to you is this, repent. Repent. Come before the Lord and confess your sin. Psalm 34 and 18 says this. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And saves such as have a contrite spirit. David said. He answered me from his holy mountain. Isn't that wonderful? His prayer was heard. And his prayer was answered. The secret of victory in prayer is a broken heart. And a contrite spirit. Now we come to the last crescendo of this psalm David's peace think of all that he went through and all that he endured and here's what he says verse 5 I lay down and I slept do you see the difference that worship makes do you see the difference that prayer makes God gives you his peace a deep settled peace in your heart that we can't get from the world that we can't get from tablets and bottles and needles God gives us a deep settled peace in our hearts when we come to him in faith. Suddenly the fear of David's heart is gone while he is under attack from his enemies. He lies down and he sleeps. Suddenly there is a stark contrast to this humiliation in 2 Samuel 15. How has this come about? Quite simply because his focus has changed from being afraid in his circumstances to trusting God in his circumstances. Sometimes fear plays a terrible part in our lives, doesn't it? And it can sets us back a bit. We worry ourselves to death. And yet, Jesus said, Take no thought for tomorrow. Paul when 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 he's counselling the churches repeatedly he says don't fear. Jesus said fear not them that kill the body but rather fear him who is not only able to destroy the body but to cast it into hell for all eternity. So we need to learn to try and And get our minds focused on the Lord who will deliver us from the fear and give us peace as a replacement for the fear in our lives. We can either wallow in the mire of our circumstances or we can trust God to carry us through. We can either live in the midst of the problem or we can come to God in prayer. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people who have set themselves against me all around me. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. When God is working and moving by the Holy Spirit, I want to say this to you. Make sure you're in the right camp and not in the camp of rebellion there will come times in your lives when you will experience in this church as a corporate body the spirit of God desires to work I think of a church not far from here which was on a campaign for two weeks and there was absolutely nothing the preacher who tells the story said this, there was a death in the church and he says at the end of the first week the, the man that, that was the leader of that church got up and said, he says, I would like everybody who is not a member of this church to depart. I want to speak to the church. He said, there is something wrong here. The spirit of God is not evident by his presence in the church. He's absent. Let us come before the Lord and pray that God will deliver us from these circumstances. Whatever is in your life, Open it up to the Lord. He started praying. Eight o'clock at night. The prayer meeting went on to half past three in the morning. And what broke that meeting was a young boy. Thirteen years of age. He got up. And he prayed with tears rolling down his cheeks. About the sin in his life. He said Lord I'm not the kind of person I should be. Will you forgive me? And that began to break the spirit of fear in the congregation for the confession of sin and in that congregation there were men that got up and confessed the sin of immorality there were men that got up and confessed the sin of tax evasion there was men that got up and confessed the sin of drink issues and there was so much went on in that meeting the preacher said, he says I couldn't believe it he says I thought to myself what is going on here some of these things that are being confessed are not things that should be said in public and he says the Lord rebuked me because the spirit of God was moving in power in the church and that brought about a revival in that church big hardened miners were coming up of the pit the second week into the meeting they weren't even standing in the congregation listening to the message or seated listening to the message they went right into the inquiry room because the spirit of God was upon him, the preacher said on the last night he says I had to stop preaching, so so powerful was the spirit of God in the congregation people were just rising up and going into the inquiry room and being saved by the amazing grace of God broken down big hard miners Tears running down their cheeks. Absolutely broken before God. And God did a work in that church. I want to say to you. When God moves. Move with him. Don't move against him. Psalm 3 and 8 says this. David of course finally moves back to worship. And this is indeed the result of trusting his life into God's hands. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing upon his people. Uh, Selah. Wow, isn't that a wonderful uh, note of praise to finish with? Salvation belongs to the Lord. And I want to say that to you tonight. That salvation belongs to our God. The one who began a good work in you will complete it into the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is it that keeps us? I'm not able to keep myself. We're not able to keep ourselves. It's God that keeps us. He saves us by His grace, and He keeps us by His power. Go to the second last book in the Bible, Jude, the Epistle of Jude. Small book, a small uh, book with one chapter. Boy, oh, it's vibrant with how God keeps us. We are kept by Him, and His amazing doxology right at the end of it is this: "Unto Him who is able to keep you from falling." Isn't that wonderful? Oh, what a God we've got. Well, let me finish by saying this. It's easy to get our heads down when the trials come. When we turn to God, he is the one who changes everything. This is what God did in David's life. This is what he wants to do in your life and in mine if he is able to deliver Moses as a baby in a basket from death, if he is able to deliver David from Goliath, if he is able to deliver three children out of that fiery furnace, if God is able to deliver David in our passage from his enemies, then he is able to carry you and me from the painful circumstances of life which come against us. There is nothing that our God cannot do. If you're going to take something with you tonight out of this place, take this with you. There is absolutely nothing that our God cannot do. He is able to carry you and me from the painful circumstances of life which come against us. Why not do what David did and begin the healing process in your life by worship? God, who knows all that's happening. And follow this through with prayer. And remember, keep on trusting him. Sometimes when God delivers us out of a circumstance, away we go, on the road again, we think we're finding dandy, don't we? And we forget and we leave God behind. And we step out of the shadow of the cross. We need to stay in the shadow of the cross. Keep walking in the shadow of the cross. Remember, it's the Lord who saved you. And it's the Lord indeed who keeps you. Let me finish by saying this. Why not do what David did in beginning this healing process of your life by worshipping? God who knows all that's happening in your life will listen to your prayers. He hears you. And remember, keep on trusting him. But why? Why should we keep on trusting him? Why? this God who's who's allowed us to pass through so much who allowed Israel to take 40 years to get into the promised land why do we pass through why should we keep on trusting him first of all he's unequaled in majesty there's no one like him he's the king of kings and lord of lords he's unparalleled in greatness the great God mighty and awesome he's unfathomable in love His love knows no depth, no height, no bounds. And when you see Christ stretched out on the cross, it reminds me of God's amazing love for the world, coming down to earth. Wow, what a saviour. And, lastly, he's matchless in worth. Titus says this, Titus 3, verse 47, but when the kindness and love of God our Saviour towards man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour that having been justified by his grace we have peace and we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life wow No wonder we can proclaim like David did. Salvation belongs to our God. Come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord.